0: Good morning, Northern Hills Church. It's good to be with you this morning. My name's Brandon, if I haven't met you, and I'm one of the uh, teaching pastors here. I'm also uh, one of the pastors that just uh, helps out just getting people plugged in, assimilated to our church, and involved in all the groups and whatnot. So please introduce yourself. I'd love to come meet you at some point. I had a question for you just to start. I want you to think of some of the people that are in your life And I want you to specifically think about a person or persons that have really made an impact on your life that you wouldn't be where you are today without them. Who's the he, who's the she that you can think of if they hadn't crossed your path, that you wouldn't be where you are. You're so grateful that they came in because maybe they came in just the nick of time to teach you about something, about where you were in that season of life. Maybe to take you and project you to the, to the future um, and some of the wishes and dreams you had. Who's that person? Who are they? Mine was Curtis Fletcher. And Fletch, if you're watching online uh, today, I just, I'm forever grateful for you, man. I really am. Um, Curtis was the guy that came into my life right when I needed him to learn more about manhood I grew up without a father. And so Curtis was that guy that was helpful to guide me in what manhood looked like. He actually was really hard on me in different spots. Asked me the tough questions, said the hard word. But he was also just really, I mean, he's the guy that I remember laughing hysterically with, to those belly laughs that he just did a lot of life with. And the individual that also protected me like a father would in those seasons. I was able to see through Curtis how you father. And that can be good and the bad and the ugly, all everything in between. But I got to see it hands on and how Curtis did that. I got to see how he was a husband and the good, bad and ugly that sometimes comes with that as well. But he came in the nick of time. Now the flip side of that coin is we all have an individual that came into our life that, oh, when this person came into my life and everything happened in our relationship, Oh, I don't know if I want to remember this person. I wouldn't maybe have experienced this kind of pain if it weren't for this kind of relationship. And maybe that's not even something that went sour for the relationship. Maybe it's just because someone left. They moved and they were so close and now you long to be with them. Maybe they passed away. And so you're dealing with the emotions that came from this individual. Who's that he? Who's that she that you're like, oh, That individual, if they had never entered in my life, I wouldn't be dealing with what I'm dealing with now. Because I think if we were to think of, we have that person in our life as well. And my person, I won't name them, but it's a person that I was really close to in my school years and then we graduated and continued to stay very close. It was a really, really close friendship, but that friendship I was betrayed and I was lied to. And it was one of those betrayals and lies that led to the relationship just being cut off completely. Now this was a friendship I expected that would go the distance. It was a friendship I expected that we would be hanging out with each other and each other's kids. And so while I've forgiven that person in my heart, I think it's just one of those things that sometimes I long for and I miss that friendship. Who's that person in your life? See, if I gave us time for any of those two scenarios, I think we'd think of a person just in a couple of minutes and maybe even someone came to your mind very quickly. And perhaps when you think about that person, you either really are fond of that memory or you're very discouraged by the memory of that. And why what, what I asked you to think about those people is because relationships are just like this. Relationships with people can be good, they can be bad, they can be everything in between. The people that come in and out of our lives, I think relationships could be quite possibly the most dangerous idea that Jesus, that God ever came up with. To enter into a relationship with someone and have any number of possibilities because we have those that bring gratitude and joy and those that are just difficult. They bring sorrow. They bring pain. Even the good ones, even our great relationships that we think of, even the ones we're invested in the most, we know that it's hard work to actually keep those relationships running well. Some, 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 some relationships don't maybe take as much, but the, 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 most of us can relate to those relationships that we love so dearly and know that that's even a roller coaster. Relationships just take work. Have you ever built Ikea furniture before? Oh, my gosh. Seriously, I, you talk about relationship issues. I think my wife and I have been divorced nearly four times trying to build IKEA furniture. Okay? We have had those moments where we're just getting frustrated with one another, about to choke each other out. And then, you know, of course, you know, you, you sort of find your way through it. But IKEA furniture is so hard to assemble. It's painstakingly hard to assemble this kind of furniture. Whether you've purchased a child bed or that new desk, you're hunched over and and your back is hurting and the directions don't even give you clear directions, but you're putting the work in. Because if you stopped prematurely, if you were to even just stop at all by building that piece of furniture that you're looking to build and just go off script, you know that it's not gonna quite look like the picture on the box. You want the picture on the box. You want the completed product. And I think we're like that with our relationships. We want something that's deeper. We want something that has more meaning. We want what relationships can look like to their end and the the fruit and the power and the meaning behind all of them. But we know that it's going to maybe break our backs. It's going to hurt along the way. It's going to hurt to put the work in. Now, here's why this is such a dangerous idea, this whole relationships kind of theme. Because some of us are coming in today and some of us for years, we have been limping around in the relationships in our lives. We've just been getting by, just hard coming in. And, 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 and some of us are even holding on tightly to a relationship that had gone sour in our lives. And we're still wearing that in future relationships we have. We're actually still taking that and maybe projecting that into some of our best relationships we have now because we're unwilling to forgive. We're unwilling to forget. Some of us are in a place where we're unwilling just to move step forward just to take those steps that God's been asking us because we, we know that there's a final product to be had, the picture on the box, but we're not quite working at it the way we should. We have prematurely stopped in those steps. And so that relationship is not functioning quite like we would want it to, but we've also sort of given up along the way. See, we're in week two of this teaching series called Dangerous Ideas. And we believe that in this entire series, that ideas, just that word, have massive power. There have been good and bad ideas that have been formulated throughout culture for, for centuries. And we believe that those ideas that became something, good or bad, they determine the direction, they determine the outcome of our very lives. And so, this big idea, pun intended, because I, I mean to do that, the big idea for this whole teaching series is that the most potent ideas for human flourishing, for cultural renewal, and for life itself come from Christianity. We believe that the greatest ideas, the things that really form us, maybe another way to say it is that the best ideas for humanity are inherently Christian. And so those kinds of ideas that make societies thrive... The ideas that when you're living your best life and you feel like everything's going the way it should be, those kinds of ideas that draw us closer in our faith to God and our faith with one another, those ideas are foundational through God's word and through God's people. Make no mistake, though, they are dangerous. They don't make sense, they're countercultural. In fact, they're the very ideas that will be difficult to lean into. And so today I want to talk about this dangerous idea of radical relationships. And I want to provide us a tool or two across the way so we can get this furniture built. And I hope that for everyone, this is sort of a universal kind of relationship message, okay? Some of us are married in the room and it's going to benefit us. Some of us are single in this space or online watching, and and it's going to benefit us, or some of us watching online are in this room as well. We're still trying to define the relationship. You're sitting next to someone that you need to have that DTR, and that's okay, because this is going to also help you when it comes to the context of relationships. But I want to start by having us consider this dangerous idea of embracing discomfort, embracing discomfort, which means that you can, there's already some that are feeling the permission to stand up and leave, right? This is why I'm not the lead pastor, all right? Pastor Brian, you go ahead and give me the message and I will teach on the message that is not gonna grow a church at all, okay? How to embrace discomfort. It's a hard thought for us, isn't it? It's dangerous because the goal, the goal for all of us is to just resist, resist any kind of thing that would provide discomfort. That's the initial reaction we have. But I'm gonna make a case today that if we're willing to, if we're willing to resist the urge to resist discomfort, (laughs) that it's gonna actually help our relationships. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 3 if you have your Bibles. And if you don't have your uh, Bible, that's fine. Uh, I always want to encourage, though. I know we don't encourage this enough sometimes. There's a Bible in the back. It's our gift to you. Feel free to take one. And if you're online as well and you need scripture in your hand, we'd love to get that to you. Post something. We'll send a Bible out your way. But I want us to go to Proverbs because Proverbs is like this manual. It's like the direction book, if you will, for living. It's a great manual for skillful living. So take that, Ikea. Their directions are better than yours, all right? Go, Proverbs. But this book is helpful in many ways because this book points us to things to apply and to understand to our lives with the myriad of difficulties that we face in life. That's the beauty about Proverbs. It speaks to the very thing that we're dealing with even today. And so in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11, it says this. My child... Don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. In other words, don't reject something that innately we want to reject. Discipline? Who in the room likes discipline? I don't think many of us like to hear that word because our natural inclination is to grind our teeth. This is a word that's closely associated with punishment, or self-control, even restraint. Those aren't nice words to us. And even the correcting thing, don't be upset when he corrects you. Well, we all love being corrected, don't we? No. So already our, our guttural instinct is like, hold on. Verse 12, for the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. So catch this. To reject this discipline, to be upset by it, to hate it, to say that, no, my gut tells me, no, this is how I feel we should be responding. To have all of those emotions that would come with this discomforting and these these discomforting words, to reject that is to keep us from something that our good father wants us to experience. And immediately, just through that proverb, I believe we learn the manual is guiding us. That just because something feels unpleasant doesn't mean that it's automatically unprofitable. And I think that's true of our lives. Now, of course, we've all experienced something in here that's unpleasant. And we know that that unpleasant thing was something we probably never needed to experience. It was something we walk through and we don't really understand. But all I'm making the argument for is it doesn't need to be automatic. Our tendency would be to see that something that's unpleasant, get it out of here. And so we would miss out on this potentially opportunity, something that could actually help us. Being hard doesn't automatically make it bad. Isn't it interesting how friends has even just evolved and relationships have evolved over the years? (laughs) I'm I'm like that old guy now uh, having conversations with my kids when it comes to friendships because they're like, well, I have this friend and, you know, we've connected online and I've never met this person. I'm like, what? How do you have a friend? That's like you, you go do coffee with the friend. You go play a sport with the friend. You hang out with the friend. And I'm like the crotchety old guy now trying to figure out. But here's the deal. It's evolved. Whether we like it or not, it may be hard and it may be unpleasant for many of us to grasp this new age of friendship. But it's the truth. People identify with individuals they're doing life with still daily, still weekly. And they've never met the person in person. That's a friendship to them. Somebody that posts something and now they have a follower and that follower comments on what they posted and they just know this person by name and they've connected with this individual. People that are getting on gaming systems and they build this gaming campaign and they build a crew, of friendship. This is a way that we need to accept has a way of building friendships now. It's evolved and it may be hard to accept. It may be even unpleasant to us, but is God absent from our technology? Is the God, the creator of the universe, not able to use those systems and those methods to build close relationships? And this is coming from a guy that doesn't even understand how to work his phone. Seriously, I need help all the time when it comes to technology. God's still present in that. But see, just because we can talk about things that are unpleasant and still be profitable in the context of relationships, I think it's bigger for us to consider this thought when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to this discipline as it's been talked about here in Proverbs. Because God correcting, God steering in our lives, God disciplining us and dealing with the things that we need to deal with, those things hurt. Those things can be unpleasant at times in our lives and they're not fun to walk through and we're taking some swats along the way. And that's why I love how he compares it. It's like this father correcting his son. Do you think that this was a moment where it was like, Dad, that was great. I would like some more of that in the morning, please. No, it's not your kid eating his favorite cereal here. The initial response detests that kind of stuff. It hates that kind of correction, that kind of discipline, something that good could be good ultimately. My daughter, she um, she's getting contacts this year and she's gonna start wearing contacts from the glasses. And so we went to the eye doctor. We have our experience where you sit down and you see the balloon far out and it's gonna do that poof thing that goes into your eye. But it's like that little shot of air, and you're sort of waiting for it, and it's this anticipation that's like, oh, it's just the worst, right? They ask you to open your eyes wide, don't blink, like as you're not going to blink, right? And then it does the poof thing, right? The poof thing just comes out of anywhere, or uh, nowhere. And so, now you may like the poof thing, and if you do, you probably like medieval torture as well. Because sitting there, sitting there for what seems to be three days waiting for this poof thing, it's profitable for you. That's what the eye doctors tell us anyway, and we blindly believe them, so okay. But it's supposed to be good for the long-term health of your eyes, the, what they're trying to examine, all those kinds of things. And so we sit there and we anticipate this and we wait for it, and as horrible as it is, it's going to be profitable in the end. The poof, poof is profitable. That's what it is when it comes to discipline too, though even though we don't think about it upon initial things. See, discipline that God imposes on our life is profitable. And I think there's a couple of reasons behind that. First, it's proof that he loves you. His discipline is proof that you belong to him. Because I want you to think about it for a moment. If a friend of yours and their child is down your house, and that child does something to your house, like breaks that real valuable thing that auntie whoever gave you, And you're like, oh, no, I'm about to strangle this kid. But no, I can't because it's not my kid. You don't discipline that child. If you were to discipline that child, you go to jail. But instead, what you do is you allow the parents to discipline that child. If the neighbor kid was just over, you make the call, you send the text with the invoice, whatever it is. But you know that that parent's going to be doing the discipline. It's not your job to discipline them. And the beauty behind that thought is that there's proof in this scripture that we read in Proverbs that the authority is God's. And so when God disciplines, we need to just remember that he's doing that because he does love us as a good father. It's because he loves you, and that's a good response in what a father does. You belong to God. You're under his authority, and that's why he's able to discipline. My good father is the one that's able to discipline me that's proof that I belong to him. And that's a good thought. The second thing why I think it's profitable is because it does lead us to the thing we maybe don't want initially. And just coming up with the word discipline. If many of us are feeling that we don't want that, that's not true. You want to be disciplined in all sorts of things. You don't want to go to work and have the reputation of the guy or gal that's not a hard worker. You want to be seen as a person that has discipline, that does their job, that does it well, that's effective in what they do. That's the kind of reputation you want. And so we, that's just the work example. We want this in all areas of our life. We wanna be disciplined in our words. We wanna be disciplined in the way we treat our bodies. We wanna be disciplined in our habits and choices, the decisions we make. We all wanna be disciplined and think about it for a minute too. Take it beyond yourself. Think of the people you admire from afar the individuals you're just in awe of. We celebrate these people all the time, the most disciplined of the disciplined in their fields and how we celebrate them. The master violinist, the master dancer, the master quarterback in the NFL, right? I mean, truly, truly, I, you knew I was gonna go there. I mean, it's football season, it's sort of early, right? But here's the deal. Here's the deal. We all want to be disciplined people. We respect the results that come out of discipline. So how do you have to be disciplined? You've got to get disciplined. That's going to be part of it. And no one wants it. We detest it when it happens. A result of it The result of us even fighting against it, not leaning into that can end us putting us in a place that we even don't want to go to deep down inside of our hearts and souls. We don't even want to really go there. Something being hard doesn't automatically make it bad. So it brings me to this dangerous idea of relationships because your relationships are hard. My relationships are hard. The ones with the coworker, the ones with the in-law, the ones with a spouse. There are things in each of our relationships that don't feel good. There are things that make us uncomfortable as we are in that relationship. There are things that we're uncomfortable in keeping that relationship healthy. And so our unwillingness to embrace discomfort keeps that relationship from being the very thing it could be. This healthy, this vibrant this worthwhile and fruitful relationship that it could become. See, many of us were familiar with the new command that Jesus gave his disciples. There's a command that Jesus gave his disciples as he's ready to launch on, really, their new thinking of what relationships should look like now. This is the new thing I'm up to, the new covenant we live under, and this is what I want you to do with relationships moving forward. So it's highlighting that the disciples' faith will point people towards hey, that's a disciple of Jesus Christ. It'll point people even to Christ. It'll, it'll be a, a, a significant relationship because they're going to be able to see Jesus loves them and they love me the way Jesus loves them. And so the command Jesus gives, he says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And this is an enormous thought. This is an enormous thought in what's redefining relationships and how we're going to love someone flowing into me and I flow outward into these relationships that I have. And it's this incredible, enormous thought. But I think we even miss out on the bigger thing that Jesus was trying to point to in how all kinds of relationships would function because Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, who is the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords. He is the alpha and omega, the creator of everything. And what did he do before he gave that command? He washed his disciples' feet. He washed their feet. He got in the dirt. He got on his knees, this God man and he washed feet. This was considered the most lowly, most humiliating task you could do. And it's the beginning of how Jesus says we do relationships. Now a fully God, fully man, if he was fully man, how would you feel about washing someone's feet? How does that make you feel? Does that make you feel a little uncomfortable? Does that strike you as being, maybe that would be a little unpleasant if it was the most lowly and humiliating task? And our God, fully man, fully God, whether he felt discomfort in that task, whether he felt uncomfortable in that moment, he's setting forth the trajectory of what relationships can look like because his comfort would take a back seat his being lower than his disciples his being low in that moment physically significantly his serving them the sacrificial kind of love that Jesus would display would take a front seat to the deeper healthy vibrant relationship that he's pointing to so what sorts of things would make you feel uncomfortable when it comes to relationships. What would you be tempted to withdraw from? Because I don't know your triggers, I, I know mine, and maybe our triggers are actually similar. I'll give you a few quick ones. I'll give you some rapid fire as well. This isn't an exhaustive list, but this list I find necessary for a radical relationship to exist with people. Very dangerous idea. How are you with confrontation? How are you with that? Now, some of us embrace confrontation. We embrace either confronting someone or even receiving uh, someone that's confronting us. We embrace it in the sense of like we're able to do it. I don't know many people that truly love, love, love confrontation. If you love confrontation, like love, love, love it, maybe you were dropped on your head as a child a little bit, just a little bit, maybe, I don't know, if you love it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if many of us love, 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 some of us embrace it, But how are you with confrontation? Because it's hard to love someone even when they confront us in a way and they do it lovingly. See, I think it's way easy for us when someone confronts us and they are just blistering mad and they go off the handle. A lot easier to engage with that person and sort of be like they're off their rocker or be mad at them, be angry with them, dismiss them because they come at you in a way that's not necessarily healthy. It's far different when someone confronts you and they actually have a criticism, they have a hard word, they have something that you know you need to hear and they do it in a loving way. And yet what they're saying is 100% true. How do you handle that? Does that make you uncomfortable? What about if you're just a person that doesn't like conflict? You don't like correction, you don't even like to give it. Are you the individual that's not willing to confront someone else? to have a difficult conversation with anybody that has any depth beyond something that's superficial. How are you with confrontation? What about vulnerability? Vulnerability. Are you uncomfortable when you feel exposed? Are you uncomfortable when you're in a room and someone's reading you almost like a book? They just know what they're saying, how they're saying it. And they can, that kind of depth of of them getting in there sort of scares you off. See, that kind of depth, that vulnerability, it's needed for intimacy. And we know this. We know this in all the depth of our relationships, especially those of us that have been married, um, some of us that have had some of those really serious relationships. You know that there is not the depth of intimacy without depth of vulnerability with one another. You can't have it both ways. So do you feel like being vulnerable is going to show weakness? Do you feel like being vulnerable is going to show strength? Because how you answer that question would answer for me whether you're a person that is vulnerable or not. What about when it comes to other things that make you feel uncomfortable when it comes to relationships? Just rapid fire now. What about being caught off guard and surprised? How do you handle that? What about being scared? Maybe feelings of guilt, some shame, you know, some some feelings of regret. Moments where you need to apologize in the relationship. How do you do with that? Who's the first to apologize in your house? Who do you see the person willing to do that first? How about success? See, I think some of us withdraw from a relationship because it's almost like this thing that's successful. I think I'm liking this person. This person seems to be engaging in a way and we almost self-sabotage because we have this history of bad relationships and so we can't even start engaging with people when it's going well. How are you when the C word comes up, commitment? And your significant other is starting to have the commitment conversation. And you don't have that. You, you're unable to have that conversation. I don't want to define this relationship. I just want to go out for tacos and keep watching movies. What are we doing here? And yet you have that conversation. And so it's leaning towards this commitment. It's a tough place to go. What about things not going your way? How are you like that within relationships? What about someone trying to speak? And they're trying to speak to something and you're trying to speak to something to them, let's say it this way, you're trying to speak to something to them and they actually just say, okay, that's really good and I needed to hear that, but I need to chew on it. (laughs) And you're like, no, I'm a type A personality. You can chew on it in the next 10 seconds, let's go. And some of us are like that. Some of us are like that with our relationships and so the person that needs to take some time and actually soak on it a little bit, maybe actually go to sleep on it, how do you handle that kind of emotion? I can remember my wife and I in our first year of marriage, we were abusing the scripture, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And we're fighting about stupid crap till two in the morning. How are you to just give things some space? Just to give it some space. What if someone starts opening up to you and they tell you how hard their life is? Ooh, I can't handle that kind of emotion. The coworker that's bawling. The friend that's really just letting it all out. Hold on, now I'm feeling, I'm uncomfortable. This feels unpleasant. I don't like any part of this. Good luck with that and then you run off. You can't handle that kind of emotional vulnerability with someone being that candid. Maybe the discussions of death that come up. See, where are the places you automatically shut down? or you feel like this is too unpleasant, too uncomfortable. Because listen to me clearly, the award for avoiding that kind of pain, it's gonna mean that you remain the same. It's gonna mean that the relationships that feel stagnant remain the same. If that's all you want, that's great. But if you wanna grow and if you wanna have something different, if you wanna have relationships that mature relationships that have the opportunity to transform you and transform another person. If you want to be the source of joy in a relationship, which I think if we think about, we all want to be a blessing to the people around us. We want to be a blessing to that coworker or that waitress or that person at church. And we want to be intentional to move from here to there, because we know that leaning in and doing life and making those uncomfortable choices that it's going to do something. We've seen proof of that in another person's life if you haven't seen it in your own. And by the way, this has been a Christian assumption for all of Christianity that we would enter in and that we would exist in someone else's world because the early church did a really good job of providing for one another and not just providing an ear to lend, but providing monetary things that they needed or, or finances that were needed or, or care that was needed. And my guess is as they entered into each other's homes, as they did pray together, as they did eat together, not all of that was happy-go-lucky all of the time because there are people and things get tough And things get messy, but they were willing to go there because that's how Christianity has always existed. The author of Hebrews, he tells it this way. Now, Hebrews is a book in the New Testament. It's less of a book, and it's more like a long, complicated sermon, okay? We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but in one section, the author's urging all of the people of God to hang in there to keep doing the things they've always been doing in relationship, to keep fighting the good fight. Don't give up, don't give up. Let us hold unswervingly. Don't you love the words in the Bible? Now we swerve all the time when we're in traffic. Unswervingly means straight line. Let us hold with that straight line unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. How are we gonna do that? Let us consider, let us think about, let us focus on, here it is, how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, author saying, faith And your faith in God is going to require people in your life. It's going to require doing life with people. If you want that to maintain your faith and you want it to be rock solid, you're going to need some other people and some other people are going to need you. Relationships are going to need to matter. And you're going to have to get uncomfortable. You're going to need to spur one another on. That's not always going to feel good. It's gonna be the hard word or it's gonna be taking the hard word. It's gonna be uncomfortable. It will be messy. We're getting ready to have a great night of worship tonight prayer and worship night tonight, 630. I think sometimes some of us don't even enter into a space like that because we tell ourselves the story of again, being unpleasant and uncomfortable but I, I don't know how to pray. Why would I go to something I don't even know how to do? And so we've already set in motion why we can't be there because we've told ourselves the story of having Genesis through Revelation memorized or if the mic comes up. And again, Pastor Brian debunked all of that. This is an opportunity tonight for a collective people to come together and just lean into what God may have for this city, to lean into praying for our, our teachers and all of these schools that are kicking off, to pray for our community, to pray for other churches and that God would continue to reveal himself to the people of this northern area, to this state. To talk about revival and to talk about the things that maybe make us feel unpleasant or uncomfortable. What if that were to happen? What if God were to? But what if God wants you to come tonight to do something and spur you on to the next step in your faith? What if he's ready to answer a prayer you've been praying for a long time? He wants you to step into this place that you've told yourself might be unpleasant. Might be uncomfortable. What about groups? Groups are going to kick off in even just a couple weeks. And many of us won't even take the time, like let alone enter into the church building. I don't want to enter into someone else's living room. Who are these people? And yet what we hear story after story is when people take that step to be in a circle. Well, are these going to be my people? Well, I don't know. I don't know if they'll be your people. But I know there's probably at least one or two of the people in that circle that might be your people. I know that God's still gonna use even somebody that's not your people and sees life from a different angle and maybe gets to hear your story. You're gonna be impacted by that and God's gonna use that in relationship. Ah, but it's unpleasant and I feel uncomfortable. There's a blessing that comes from relationships that start going next level and not just foyer conversations that how are you brother and how are things going, but getting to the nitty gritty of life and getting to hard truths of what's going on. See, we control our relationships, and we like to keep them sometimes at a distance. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that that's how we live now? We actually live in this space where we control those relationships. Like if, if Pastor Brian texts this guy and says, Brandon, I have a question for you. So if I get to choose to answer that or not, I get to answer that in real time. I could delay that. I control the factor of how I want that conversation or that relationship to go. If Solon, I I was talking this about first, if Solon has cats, which he does have cats, and he posts about his dumb cats, let's say, okay? (laughs) I called your cats dumb, Solon. And and he's like celebrating his cats, and I'm like, that's dumb, and why would you post that? And I I don't need to like your page, I don't need to like your Instagram. Like I get to dictate the relationship. From afar, I get to control it. Solon, I love your cat, Uh, hopefully you know that but I can dictate the relationship. And so we like this control. We like our hands around things. And so things that would put us in uncomfortable positions or things that would put us outside of our comfort zones, we don't necessarily sign up, but here's the deal. If you're willing to step into that, maybe God's gonna do something. You have to be willing though, to not stay the same. You have to be willing to not stay the same. I don't wanna be the same. I don't want to disengage. I don't want to prematurely just not look at this opportunity because I want to see what the furniture looks like when it's complete. That's where you have to live. I want to be still struggling with these past hurts. I want to see growth from this wound. I want to see myself become all that God has and sees in me, but I may need another person to, to, to reflect that. I'm going to have to embrace some of this pain, embrace some of that discomfort. I'm going to have to do the hard things. That's what it's going to take. Now, I've been reading an interesting interview with somebody. Uh, this guy loves pain. He's a little psycho. Have you heard of the name Dean uh, Karnazes? This is a guy like the ultra marathon man is what they call him, okay? They call, call him the guy that ran forever. He literally took a 300... And 75 mile run and ran that distance, right? Like we should be talking about this guy as if he's dead right now, right? Just poking sticks at Dean. But he had 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 different places. That's this guy. He he loves pain. (laughs) He's gone to the South Pole, he's gone to Death Valley. But he said something really interesting in an interview with Wired Magazine. Listen to what he said. And I don't have this posted on purpose. I just want you to listen to these words that he said. Western culture has things a little backwards right now. We think if we had every comfort available to us, we'd be happy. We'd equate comfort with happiness. And now we're so comfortable that we're miserable. There's no struggle in our lives. There's no sense of adventure. We get in a car, we get in an elevator, and it all comes easy. What I've found is that I've never made more alive than when I'm pushing, when I'm in pain, when I'm struggling for high achievement, and in that struggle, I think there's magic. That's someone that's willing to embrace something that's very unpleasant, something that's gonna be a struggle. But Dean doesn't wanna be the same. Dean wants to be a different person. And so to be that different person, he knows he's not going to avoid the pain. Now, listen, I'm not saying any of us have to go run a marathon in the South Pole or to go to Death Valley. But what I am telling us this morning. The dangerous idea that I want us to consider is that scripture tells us, it invites us to believe that all pain, it's not bad. All pain is not so bad. I love how Jesus gave this charge to his disciples, but don't you Don't you see how he was always playing out a story of how to enter into the uncomfortable for the sake of relationship? It's a story of the gospel, man. It's the greatest story ever told that the God man would come lowly to earth because he loved us so much and he'd take on human flesh and he'd be battered, his reputation would just be battered because of who he's talking with, those prostitutes, those lepers, those nuns. He built relationship with people. And he did life with them in real time, all to actually experience the worst kind of pain: death on a cross. And that was all for the sake of a relationship with you and a relationship with me. It was worth it to him. It was worth it to Jesus Christ to do that. And those that have put our faith and trust in him, our relationships are going to get messy. They're going to be uncomfortable. It's going to hurt. But the Bible says, this is what I love about the scriptures. It talks about him being the good shepherd and that the sheep will hear his voice. And the beautiful part of that parable is that it also speaks to this idea that there will be the shepherd that goes before you. Our God has gone before us in every kind of uncomfortable situation imaginable and he will go forward in your situation as well. And he will lead the way and he will manage all things in that pain. He will be present in that pain. He will be present in the places you find yourself uncomfortable because he loves you and he loves the person just as equal. That's our God. I go before you. And so today the dangerous idea that I would have you consider is to get uncomfortable. Let's be a people that get uncomfortable. If you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and that's your uncomfortable moment, do it today. Trust with your heart. It's all God's asking you to do, to start this journey with him in relationship believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And that journey is gonna begin. And He's gonna be with you every step of the way. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. God, thank you for your word. Without your word, my gut would tell me everything about how not to be uncomfortable. (laughs) But I thank you God that Your word coaches me, it corrects me, it disciplines me to understanding that being uncomfortable is growth. I don't wanna stay the same, God. I know my friends here don't wanna stay the same. And so God, we are asking that you would come into this space and your power and your presence would guide us to relationships that are radical that we would step outside of our comfort zone, that we would step outside of the things that are unpleasant to us, and that we would understand by doing that, it profits us. We will gain something by leaning into faith in you and leaning into faith in those relationships. God, help us be dangerous people. Make us bold to step into that. We want those kind of radical relationships and God, thank you that you set the pace. Thank you that you've gone before us to do that. Lord, you are a good, good father. And we celebrate your goodness this morning. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.